Hello there, welcome along to Sport and Life podcast. I'm Teddy Draper, sports broadcaster in the UK, co-host with Tom White, fellow sports broadcaster at Sky Sports, so with myself. Thank you for hitting on the button, appreciate you being here. We'll get to the podcast in just a second, but first, a couple of mentions. Thank you, as I say, to you. Thank you as well to the chief sponsors of the podcast, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV. They are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installation. They're housed in a beautiful courtyard in Montpellier, here where I'm recording and living in the west of England in Cheltenham. But if you can't get into the store, look up Serene AV online, get in touch with Jason Briggs and his fine team. If you're looking to optimize your immunity, remember the association the podcast has with Cytoplan, food-based supplement company that we, the Drapers, as a family have been taking for 20 plus years under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper. And very kindly, Cytoplan has shared a discount code with the podcast of 30% off your first purchase, 10% ongoing. If you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, that code at checkout is Draper10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, numerals one zero, and the capital letter R. That's if you're looking for supplements, if you're looking for shoes, great association the podcast has with British shoemaking company, Herring Shoes, wonderful loafers and brogues in particular. I own a pair of the brogues. They're fantastic. If you go to herringshoes.co.uk, this British company, since 1966, you can get handmade shoes with 10% off thanks to uh, their association with the podcast, thanks to Chris and his team. And that is Ted Tent. So my first name, a bit of it, T-E-D, all capital letters, the numerals one zero. And before we get on to the podcast, just wanted to say, if you ever wondered what it'd be like or ever wish that you'd had a loved one's voice recorded and their life story recorded before they passed away. It sounds morbid, but it's something that we're trying to arrest and change and give people an opportunity to preserve people's life stories in their own voice, their personality, all the anecdotes, the details. It's not about facts or you listing something. It's about their experiences. And it's something that I've loved doing through a vehicle called Attic Box Audio. And if you head to Draper Media or atticboxaudio.co.uk, get all the information on that's where i sit down with members of the public and just have life story conversations really love it anyway onto the podcast without further ado hello welcome to sport and life tom good morning to you how are you sir i'm excellent thank you as ever i'm delighted to be back on my laptop rather than the um rather than my phone like it was last week although when i look back when i listen back to it my, the camera, not the camera, the um, microphone on my phone was actually better. <laughs> than the microphone you've got there. A bit worrying given that I've got this all singing, all dancing one and just the normal one on my phone was better. But nevertheless, I am excellent, thank you. Looking forward to a busy weekend. Big shout out to smartphones as well. I love the fact that you're back in your normal position with, with SSN playing out. I'm not sure we're violating any broadcast rules, are we? Because it's coming out of your, is it the Jameson, Samson, Samson? Um, no, Volks, Samson. So Volks was the brewery in Sunderland. Yeah. Um, sadly, sadly closed down, I think, mid-90s. Nice. Uh, sadly, although it has, you know, made a comeback of sorts. Uh, <laughs> that was a Vaux's Samson mirror. And you can see Sky Sports News in the background. You know what we're like, Teddy? We don't like to miss any breaking news just in case. All right. So, no. well, yeah, well, you need to... yeah, exactly. But you're you're taking a trip down memory lane. You got, we got a long drive after this up the M1, but the Mank connection tonight with some United slash Sunderland old boys. How much looking forward well, to that? Well, in terms of our Premier League eleven, if you if you if you look at it, um, they've got in terms of winning the Premier League between them. I think so. so what I've got, I've got John O'Shea, Wes Brown, and Phil Bardsley, who all three of them. It's called the Mank Connection because they were brilliant at Sunderland, and this is a Sunderland event in the city of Sunderland. Um, and I think Wes Brown might have won the title six times, and John O'Shea five. I have got that written down in my notes, which are <laughs> already packed in the car. Um, so in terms of Premier League eleven, this is quite good timing because when, when you've got people who put it this way, I'll, I'll not give too much away. Those two haven't made it in, however, a lot, a lot of their previous teammates have. Well, that that would that would be uh, the ultimate suck up. I know you had John Barnes in your your all time English footballers, even though he was maybe past his prime because you were doing a night with John Barnes when we did that podcast. But yeah. maybe getting Phil Bardsley in your ultimate Premier League eleven might be a, a push. No offense to Phil, he's a, a great servant. Well, to both. Well, interestingly, players. like 
it, it, Bar, um, when when I was asked to do my all-time Sunderland eleven, I had Bardsley and Brown were both actually in it. I'm yes. obviously not going to mention that tonight because that's a bit harsh on O'Shea, who was our captain and was there for the longest. Um, so they get into my Sunderland eleven, yes, but they haven't quite made my Premier League eleven, unfortunately. John O'Shea, great versatile player for Man United. Great goal against Arsenal, wasn't it? I think cutting in from the left and a right foot finish. And then Wes Brown had the cross for Cristiano Ronaldo in the 2008 Champions League final, which was. Epic, I wonder, epic moment. I wonder, if, I wonder if that'll come up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you could have it on, on replay. Um, brilliant. So this is um, something to, to to warm you up for for then for, for tonight. By the way, I should say that I'm in my spare room because a good friend of ours is also a kind of builder and painter and decorator. Is a schoolmate. He used to be a goalkeeper for Kidderminster Harriers actually, but he's downstairs doing some work for us. So if there's any drilling comes through, so I'm in the spare room. Hence the bed in the background. I'm not in a hotel or anything. Anything fancy. It's worth it for the mates rates, Teddy. Yeah. Always worth it for the mates rates. Well, yeah, it's just the quality. Yeah, just the quality of work as well. To be, to be fair, he was a great keeper back in the day when we were at school. Uh, right, Tom. So Premier League eleven. We'll get your quiz question in a second. How did you find this process, and what was your process? Because I've actually looked at trying to construct a team with fantastic players, as opposed to maybe looking at positions and picking the very best players in the eleven. I'm trying to figure out how they over, overlap and complement. Although I've just realised I don't have any left footers in my in my team, which might give you a clue at who I've got a left back, but it's it's interesting. Oh, interesting. oh okay. Right, I know you've got a left back now. Yeah. Um, so I, it, I find this so much fun to do and quite easy in a way, easy in terms of I have this conversation all the time. If I'm just chatting to my mates on the phone or in the pub or whatever. Yeah. We... We'll go through our Premier League 11s, like all-time Premier League 11s. And mine, mine does change from time to time. Um, like once a player actually retires or leaves the Premier League for good, I'm more inclined to then put them in. I don't tend to have anyone. Like, for instance, Erling Haaland will definitely make my all-time Premier League 11, but I haven't got him in because he's only been there for a year and a bit. You yeah. see what I mean? Yeah. Um, but he will He will eventually get in there. I'm absolutely certain of it. And, and there'll be others in the current... Premier League players that that will fall into that category as well. But so in that sense, for me, it was quite easy because I've had this conversation so many times. Um, what I've done in terms of I've actually put together a team that I feel would work. It's not like I've gone right best right back, best left back. I have actually kind of done a team that would work. I think there's there's one player who is slightly out of position, but not really, not mm. much. Um, yeah. But I've, I'm very confident with my side. And did you pick from a formation or did you pick the team and then put it into a formation? Because we, well, we're, we're split with our generation, aren't we? Because we grew up on 4-4-2 and then it's been largely 4-3-3 for the last 15 years. Well, actually, that is that, it's funny you should say that because I've always gone 4-4-2. And in order to fit someone relatively recently retired in, I've actually, in the last couple of years, switched to a 4-3-3. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. interesting because not many wingers around now. There's a lot of wide forwards as well, so it makes it trickier to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for, I've got 4-3-3, three, three, and basically what that has meant is one of my strikers is having to play wide, but that player played wide earlier in his career, so I'm getting away with it. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge, actually. Look at the, it's, the balance as well was recency bias of things you've seen like, like Erling Haaland you mentioned, but also like not getting too carried away with the nostalgia of when you're 12 and 13. And maybe people could accuse me of that with my top five English footballers and Steve Bruce, but it's uh, <laughs> it's that it's, it's balancing those two things, isn't it? It's kind of having like those, those great memories, but also like not just picking the player you've seen do fantastically in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, if, any, if anything, I'm far more nostalgia bias than recent bias. Um, but but that's because I don't include anyone who's currently playing in the Premier League. Yes. Yeah. So I guess that that is part of it. Yeah, I have actually included current players. The, the one club at the moment, and I've been toying with the final piece of my team. I haven't got any Chelsea players in, which, given they've won, five, I think five Premier League titles, is probably uh, a bit harsh. And there's some some great players that maybe I've overlooked from Chelsea, Eden Hazard included, but he'll be on definitely be on my bench. I've actually, I've actually only got one. Although one of the one of the toughest decisions I had to make was leaving another another Chelsea player out. So I suppose, oh, actually no, I've got two. Sorry, I've got I've got two, and I've left one out. I mean, only just like if I if I put him in, 
like I wouldn't even argue with myself about it if, if yeah. someone said actually I would have John oh John Terry <laughs> don't like him. I'm just giving away John Terry's the one who's missed out at centre back yeah. right and I, actually I'll just say this now John Terry and Rio Ferdinand have missed out at centre back right if Good someone shout. said if someone if, if we were to try and do a combined eleven and you said I want Terry and Ferdinand over the two you've got I would let you have them because yeah. that's how close Terry and Ferdinand were to being in as my two centre-backs. And ultimately, both of them have missed out. Yeah, and it's interesting with centre-backs, would you pick two from complete different eras, which we'll talk about in just a second. We'll get your quiz question in a second, but let's uh, consider a football scenario that I put out on X at Teddy Draper the other day. And uh, flowing team move results in a player pulling the ball back from the goal line level with the edge at the right side of the penalty area. Striker dispatches a low, swiveled strike into the far corner. Who do you see for A, the assist, so the pullback, and B, the goal? Martin Godwin, I think he's a Manchester United fan, says, sorry, I can't picture goals at the moment. Trevor Hayter says, <laughs> Giggs assist, Sheringham goals. That's interesting, except maybe a Giggs assist with his left foot pulling it back or, or on the right-hand side, sometimes found himself there. And, and Narad has a very modern one, a Bayern Munich Coman to Kane as his, his suggestion. What did you see, Tom, with that scenario? Well, uh, fun, funny enough, if I was thinking of England, it would have been Kane on the end of it because I'm thinking Premier League. I've gone with um, Raheem Sterling to Sergio Aguero. Nice. Um, with, yeah. with England, I was thinking, I was actually thinking if it was on the other side, yeah. I would have actually gone Grealish to Kane. If it was this side, it would still be Sterling to Kane. But thinking with my Premier League hat on, um, um, gone Sterling to Sergio Aguero from Manchester City. Nice, yeah. I think I was thinking De Bruyne, De Bruyne to Aguero, and actually that kind of goal, I think, is probably when we look back at it in in years to come, is typifies Manchester City, isn't it? It's getting to that byline, not w- really out far wide, but just cutting it back from the 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 goal line for someone to finish it off. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's good because this is. Um, because when, when I put this out on social media, it was, it was as as usual, it was all Sunderland fans, which which I love personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because we do that. I mean, Jack Clark did it for Patrick Roberts in the playoff semi-final second leg against um, Sheffield Wednesday. Roberts does it himself going the other side as well. The problem is we just don't tend to have a, a striker to actually be on the end of it. It tends to be either an attacker midfielder or, or one of the other wingers. Um, but it was I could picture it quite easily because that's that's the way Sunderland play right now, and that's the that's it. When um, have you ever heard? Actually, you've done position of maximum opportunity. Pomo, have you heard uh, yeah, of that? I've heard of it. Yeah, what is that? Is that inside the? So that's a, goal. a little area where you're talking about, where the winger gets the ball in that area. That is the position of maximum opportunity called Pomo. Because from there, you can either shoot yourself from a tight angle, you can pull it back to someone, one of your players, you could put it across and it could go in as an own goal, you could get fouled, you could get a corner, mm. but that is the position of maximum opportunity. And that's where both Sterling and Grealish are, are perfect at that. Yeah, and you wonder if Guardiola worked that out, didn't you, as well? And you, you hear all these stories about how he has sort of like passing grids and stuff to get people into those positions and training, and that's how they they build up yeah. to, get, to get into that spot and then pull it back. Right, Tom, give us a quiz question before we crack on with our, our Premier League 11s. Quiz question. All right, you're going to have to think about this one because you'll get some very easily. And I would say two are actually very difficult. Eight clubs have never been relegated from the Premier League. Who are those eight clubs? Okay. So yeah, a couple of obvious ones. I mean, Arsenal haven't been relegated in over a century, have they? So you put Arsenal up top. Everton since the 1950s haven't been relegated. Manchester United haven't been relegated from the Premier League. Correct. Chelsea Chelsea haven't been relegated from the Premier League. You've got four. <laughs> then it gets a, a little bit more tricky. Liverpool haven't been relegated from the Premier League. Correct. Five. So five. Tottenham Hotspur haven't been relegated from the Premier League. You've got the six I knew you would get. Yes. The other two are harder. I think everybody listening or watching will have got those six. Crystal Palace have been relegated from the Premier League, haven't they? That's oh, not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What to think yeah. that they? Um, what you've, what you'll have now is people saying, people will be shouting at the either <laughs> their car radio or into their phones or into their computers saying, 
No, there's only six. There's only six. Well, I said never to be relegated. Not ever presence. I didn't say ever presence in the Premier League because they're the six you've got. Okay, so Luton Town then. Well, as, no, as it you've, got to, you've got to have had a... Okay, oh no. Luton might have been relegated from the Premier League. No, they haven't. But anyway, um, the difference with Luton is... Sorry, I should have specified that. You've got to have actually had a full season. Okay. Which, which they haven't had. But you're on the right lines. Yeah, so someone maybe from... From last season, he's come up. I tell you what, I'll have a think while we're talking and then we'll come back yeah, to the, yeah, the last, yeah. you'll, last you'll, two. Um, yeah, so there's two more and people can, as they're listening, others can think. But that was a, you're on the right lines with Luton. But uh, yeah, I should have specified, you know, you've got to have actually been there for a full season, obviously. Okay, I love it. I love it. Okay, Tom, so with the Premier League 11s, we've been, I think, doing a bit of work this week. It's been... I've never really done and sat down and written out a proper Premier League eleven. I've kind of talked about it, as you said, with mates and stuff like that. But it was, that, it was kind of the process was good. And then last night we decided how we'd actually talk about it because I thought the two main options were either we did it a player at a time or then we did all the eleven from one of us and then the other person gave the eleven. But actually, you had a good suggestion of we'll do it kind of roughly position based. So we'll do the goalkeepers, yeah. then the yeah, and I, then midfield, and then attackers. Yeah. So I'll go my goalkeeper, your goalkeeper, my back four, your back four or three, whatever you've gone for, my midfielders, your midfielders, and then we we will end up with our strikers. And some of them will be this you might think, oh, eleven, you've got eleven players each. Some of these are going to be very quick, I think. Yes. Because I actually think we're gonna go we're gonna go over the goalkeeper in about five seconds flat. <laughs> well, who have you who have you got? Well, I've tried so hard to be controversial and pick someone other than Peter Schmeichel. Yeah. But I haven't been able to. And and simply because not since Brian Clough Went on, Brian Clough used to say how important Peter Shilton was to, to him um, and to Nottingham Forest and how important it was to have a top-class goalkeeper. No one really said that. I never really heard anyone say that until Sir Alex Ferguson. And he continues to say how important Peter Schmeichel was. All of Peter Schmeichel's teammates, whether they liked him or not, said how important Peter Schmeichel was. And of all the success Manchester United have, a large part of that is down to the fact that they had that uh, that great Dane in their goal. So in the end, although I did try to pick someone else to be just to spark debate, I have gone for Peter Schmeichel and I'm assuming you've gone for the same. Yeah, I have as well. Five Premier League titles, three FA Cups and of course the Champions League in 2009. It's fascinating the sort of drama around how United actually tried to keep him in, in 99 and then tried to potentially re-sign him, but ultimately... They got Bartes instead when when Schmeichel was looking to come back from Portugal. So he could have even written another chapter. But we we talked about him scoring the first Premier League goal scored by a goalkeeper. That kind of bouncing volley against uh, Everton for Aston Villa. But also, just I guess Tom, I think all round he's the best keeper, wasn't he? If you, if you factor in shot stopping, one on ones, coming for crosses, distribution. All right, maybe not in the modern way of playing out from the back, but actually the the way through the ball out. I think all round he just provided so much and, and motivational as well. Like he, he, he'd kind of G the team up and, and fire them up. Yeah. And, and organizing his defenses, defense as well. Um, and having the trust of the players in front of him too. Um, yeah. I, I tried, but couldn't go, I couldn't look beyond Peter Schmeichel. And he took, yeah. And he took so much replacing at United as well. People like Taibi and Bosnich before finally kind of got Edwin van der Sar after, after Bartes, I suppose. So it was a, Tough act to follow. Right back. Are you going for a right back or are you going three at the back? How do you... Yeah, so I've, I've got a, a back four. Now, my right back, I think, will spark debate. I think my other three defenders, not as much. All right. So, um, actually, actually, left back will because I am I know who you've got a left back now from what you said <laughs> earlier. And I, thought, I thought left back was going to be an easy one. So, right back, I've actually gone for Branislav Ivanovic. Okay. Um, Goal scoring which, right back. At, at times... Um, when I've had this conversation with friends and and people at work as well, I'm the only person who's ever gone for Ivanovic, Branislav Ivanovic at right back. He was a, a brilliant player. I'm quite old-fashioned in the way I think, yes, it's important that um, fullbacks get forward. I'm, I'm not a dinosaur. I understand that the modern fullback needs to add something to the attack, which mm. Branislav Ivanovic did. But I still think you've got to be able... To defend, you've got to be able to to beat your winger in a one-on-one. If the winger tries to take you on, you've got to stand up to them and win the tackle. Um, you've got to help your centre-backs out and tuck in when it comes to defending crosses with your head. Ivanovic was a centre-back right, as well yeah. as a right-back. Yeah. So he could, he could do that um, as well. He gave it his all. He 
he seemed to just love playing. He seemed to love playing football. He was hard as nails too. And when he got forward, he was dangerous. Um, he, he was dangerous as well. So Branislav Ivanovic, and he won. He, he did win the, the Premier League in 2010, 2015 and 2017. Three FA Cups in there as well. The League Cup once as well. He won the Champions League and the Europa League. So um, I, I think I can I think I can justify my selection of Ivanovic. If you're looking at fullbacks who are a threat from corners, it's probably him and Dan Byrne currently. Are they the, be- the most threatening, I guess, for, for winning headers? Yeah, yes, but yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of it like that, but but yeah, he, he added he added something to the attack because he could get. See, my left back, by the way, I'll, I'll give you my left because we're going to do the whole defence, aren't we? So I'll give you my left back now just to help with the Ivanovic situation. Like my left back is Ashley Cole because I think he might well be the best left back. Yeah, that in our era, I mean, you you immediately think of Roberto Carlos as well, but I think everybody would say that Ashley Cole or Roberto Carlos. Yes. So that's why I've got Ashley Cole. And I think that's a fairly I think that's a fairly simple one. I think most people would go for that. I know you haven't, but <laughs> Ash, Ashley Cole was brilliant. But imagine if you've got Ashley Cole at one side and Ivanovic on the other, which actually Chelsea had. Um, and of course Ashley Cole did it for Arsenal as well. Ashley Cole will stay back from a corner to mop things up because he was a very good tackler and read the game so well. Yeah. Ivanovic has to go forward and help out with the other big men. Um and it worked a treat. It yeah, you had to, you, you you add to Ivanovic with 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 the aerial defensive ability, don't you? But that with Cole, you have that incredible tenacity and speed. And think one on one defending. Ashley Cole, probably the best player I've seen. Obviously, the famous battles with Pete Cristiano Ronaldo for Portugal when Cole was playing for England, and he he kept him relatively quiet, which was incredible. Yeah, exactly. So um, Ashley Cole was an easy one. Ivanovic, I've, I know I've got to make my case a bit more for him. Uh, as for my two centre backs. I just I love these two. I love them as a pairing, whether that be for Arsenal or for England. Yeah, I know. Um, I've gone with Tony Adams and Sol Campbell. Do, do you think uh, the centre halves almost have? Do you think that is in your mind that were you prepared to put two completely different centre halves together, or do you think having known they could play together is important? Because my two have played together as well. Oh, that's yeah, that's interesting. Well, well, like I said, I would have happily, uh, you know, if if I I could have woken up this morning and decided to put either Ferdinand or Terry, yeah, or both in there. All right, so this it was a really close one. So yeah, maybe subconsciously I've gone. Well, I know that Adams and Campbell can do it together. Mm. So maybe yeah, yeah, you might have a good point there. But Adams would also be my captain, by the way. So you got you got Adams' tenacity, size, aerial ability. You got Campbell's pace, and again, it's. Pretty orthodox, two big centre-halves, isn't it? But who could play a bit too? As we saw with Adam's goal in 98 to seal the double or seal the well, title. In, in when I when I listed my, my top five ever England players, Sol Campbell was in my top five. Yeah. Um, Sol Campbell was in my top five. He's one of the best. I think he might be the best centre-back in, in, in our... In our time, um, I mean, you've, you'd obviously have to think of Cannavaro in there. Well, there's a few centre-backs. Yeah, yep, Stam, maybe. Yeah, Baresi was a little bit before us. But I could I could easily argue for, for Sol Campbell. So I've, I've gone for Campbell and Adams. But like I said, um, if, if we were doing a combined 11 and somebody wanted Ferdinand or Terry in, I wouldn't argue Oh, let's the, my back four. Sol Campbell's the one of your four that that makes my back four. So that kind of rubber stamps what you're saying. Yap Stam because he didn't play as long in the Premier League would be my understudy for Campbell. I think relatively similar types of player, both big men, both quick, both a threat going forward. But for for my partner for Campbell, it's the 2002 World Cup pairing of, of Ferdinand and Sol Campbell. I think, and because they augment each other well, I think arguably Campbell's you know, brilliant and could distribute, as we said before, was a striker before he became a defender. So actually good ball skills. But I think Ferdinand is a kind of sweeper in in those two would be a fantastic pairing and was a great pairing against even Brazil going out of the 2002 World Cup were doing yeah. a great job against the, the original Ronaldo in that match. Yeah, um, in two in two thousand two, was was Ronaldo there then? Ronaldinho was Ronaldo in that game? I thought he played in that game. Yeah, might be complete. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I thought I remember Ronaldo. I thought I remember Ferdinand running him off the ball, but I'll uh, yeah, I'll, you, I'll yeah check probably, that. I'm just I'm just thinking about the uh, the the time. Yeah, he would have been, wouldn't he? Of course, he would have been. Um, it, it's just that everyone, it's just that Ronaldinho sticks in your mind. That's that's where I'm getting confused. So you've gone. Yeah, I I I can't argue with that at all. Like I said, you know, I could have easily been the same as, as I've gone for. Yeah, I love it. 
What about so, your? I know your left back is. Do you, do you want to do you want to reveal that for anyone who's who's still? Yeah. So the left the left the left back is and Ashley Cole is a fantastic player. And again, this was a challenge, I suppose, as a, uh, growing up as a Manchester United fan, because actually winning thirteen Premier League titles, it's difficult to know whether you're being subjective or objective because you kind of would include a lot of United players. But at the same time, you want to try and be fair, I think, through this. Because I know uh, there's someone who's submitted 11 to us. It is all Manchester United players from yeah. the Premier League era, which I think, you know, is is, is fascinating. Again, Alan Shearer on the bench was the submission we'll get to in a bit. But for me, one of the best players I've seen at United that hasn't been really, I suppose, adulated, maybe publicised as much, was Republic of Ireland international Dennis Irwin and signed primarily, I think, as a right back initially, but very two-footed was right-footed scored great free kicks great shots from outside the box obviously ended up off free kicks because Beckham took over and at times had taken penalties as well at United before Steve Bruce and then Cantona took over but just part of the treble winning team in, in 99 wonderful composure could use the left foot hit it down the line great cross for Roy Keane in the 3-2 win in the in the Manchester derby I think in the 93-94 season and also I put out on Twitter a while ago about sometimes you know how we try and reinvent things in football. There's sort of like phrase, trendy phrases come in, like inverted fullbacks and all this kind of stuff. And I said, oh, I'm not sure what this this means, this 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 trend. And then someone put, well, what are you talking about? Dennis Irwin was the first inverted fullback because primarily because he's right footed, he could drop into that midfield to bolster it when maybe Keane or Ince or Paul Scholes went wandering. He could he could drop in there. So for me, Dennis Irwin just as an all round class footballer would be good. And, and the way that my midfield lines up, he would possibly just drop in there at times as well to, to solidify it. Uh, have I dreamt this or did Sir Alex Ferguson call him the best signing he ever made? I think he so, did, yeah. I think it is on a, yeah that, Owen's Wikipedia that, page, yeah. That rings a bell. So if Sir Alex Ferguson says that, I think you can probably use that as your argument to to win any argument, can't, can't you, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm still... I mean, Dennis Irwin, of, of course, when I was growing up, was just absolutely brilliant and and like he was right foot which a lot was made of but he did have a good left foot too yes you know, he was uh, he, you know as as we've as we've grown up right footers are always taught to use their left foot left footers are, are not taught to use their right <laughs> foot um so and Irwin had a good left foot too um but yeah I would still but I would I would still keep Ashley Cole in mind um but definitely no arguments with uh, Irwin and certainly no arguments with the centre-backs. Who do you have at right-back? Yeah, right-back, similar to you in a sense, emphasising defensive uh, skill. And I think for England and for Manchester City, just a sheer recovery pace that he's still got at the age of 33. Uh, won five Premier League titles, two FA Cups and the Champions League last season. And I think is the most important player in Manchester City's current defence because of his pace, because of his defending ability, because it allows Pep Guardiola to play these kind of smaller centre-halves who aren't quite as rapid or maybe aren't quite as strong defensively as, as traditional centre-halves. And I, I think Carl Walker is my right-back. And he actually edged out, bizarrely, Kieran Trippier, actually. I really like Kieran Trippier in terms of Kieran, Kieran Trippier going forward. His Beckham-esque crossing distribution, I think, is a class player. But I think for Walker, just gives you that ultimate security that if Ferdinand did step out or go wandering or you simply had a, a rapid winger you were up against, like a command or an Mbappe that he'd be able to threat to stifle that threat. Well, I mean, mentioning Trippier last season at Newcastle was probably the best season of his career, and he's you know you know getting on a bit, let's mm. say, in, in falling terms. But Walker, if Walker, when Walker retires, or if he'd moved to Bayern Munich last summer, I think I would have had Walker in. I think Walker, um, it's just the way the way I do it, but the way I personally decided to do mine is. Play. I haven't included anyone who's currently in the Premier League. I think when Walker either retires or leaves the Premier League, I think Walker will probably take um, Vladislav Ivanovic's place in my side. So again, poor old Pranis. <laughs> yeah. But also as well, also as well, if you wanted to be versatile, for me, I could potentially make that a three: Walker, Ferdinand, and Campbell, and change the formation a little bit. So there's, there's, yeah, there's true. A get with that because he can do, he can do that as well, which is a yeah. fantastic asset. Yeah, so mid true. midfield. How many midfield? Three midfielders, four three three. Yeah, uh, four three three, and th these three would work together as well, actually, very nicely. Um, one of them will surprise you. Uh, two of them definitely won't. Two of them, there isn't really very much more we can say about them. But two of them are Roy Keane and Paul Scholes. Yeah, right? so Roy Keane would be uh, would sit a little bit more, even though he was he was box to box. 
um, Scholes would push on a bit. I suppose you could even call it four two three one with um, Scholes playing at number ten. Um, but my third one, I think he is the most underrated player in Premier League history, despite all of his honours, which I'm about to read out. Um, he was an absolute magician. He could shoot from anywhere, and he would he, he, honestly he could side foot the ball from forty yards out, and it would <laughs> still go in. Yeah, in the corner. Um, he seemed so comfortable on the ball. He played as though he should be about five foot six, but actually he's something like oh, I, think, I want to say about six foot four, maybe even taller than that. Oh, you, pa- no, Patrick you, Vieira. No, uh, it's not. No, it's not Patrick Vieira. It's more recent than that. Um, oh, Yaya Torre. Yaya Torre. I, I just, I loved him. I thought he was. I still think, honestly, the. It's ridiculous to say that someone who's won one, two, three Premier League titles, one FA Cup, two League Cups, that's in the in the Premier League, but also won La Liga twice, the Copa del Rey, and the Champions League once, the Super Cup, the Club World Cup, all of that, um, Africa Cup of Nations as well. Despite all of that, I, I, I stand by the fact he's the most underrated player in Premier League history because I don't think he gets the... He doesn't get the sort of praise that we do give Keane and Scholes and Vieira and several other quality, and Lampard, Gerrard. Yeah. All of these players, quite rightly, they deserve all the acclaim they get because they were brilliant. For some reason, Torre doesn't get it. And well, it's it what, what was amazing was how he was used at Barcelona, wasn't it, when we were younger? Because you actually felt like he was a classic holding player and Busquets yeah. succeeded him. But actually, when he's let off the leash at City, the dribbling, the power, the skill as well, drag backs, turns, yeah. fantastic. He had every asset. He was basically, uh, you know, a schoolboy footballer in terms of just the, the ability to do everything. And like you say, the shooting from range was phenomenal too. You're probably, you're probably right in terms of if you said what a player can do, there's very few that would compete with him. But I'll tell I'll tell you who is the closest thing to Yaya Torre, and he may even overtake him. That is Jude Bellingham. Jude yeah. Bellingham can play in these days, as it used to be that you'd have two central midfielders. They were both box to box. That's how it was. You just like a complete midfielder. Nowadays, you've got either a, a sitting midfielder uh, with a you've got like a sitting midfielder, a box to box, and a one that can attack more. Maybe even a number ten. Bellingham can do all of those three, and actually Bellingham can even play as a striker. Yeah. Torre also could play all three of those positions, and he did. Just it, wherever you were, you, were you tempted to put Bellingham in because he, he protect he protect if he comes to the Premier League, I suppose that will be the yeah. acid test. Well, he, well, he, he couldn't be in because he's because he's never played in the Premier League. But he, um, but if he come if he comes to the Premier League, he'll be he'll, he'll have done enough in one season to get in. Do you think he'll stay? It'd be interesting to see at Real Madrid if he stays in that 10 role. He's got 13 and 13, or whether he ends up being a number eight again. Well, why change the winning formula? Mm-hmm. Um, and for in, in for I've always said him and Declan Rice together for England is the best central midfield yeah. in in the world right now. Um, but there's no reason why you can't put someone else alongside Rice and tell Bellingham to, to move forward in the kind of role that sometimes Mason Mount would do. Foden tends to play wide for England, so I think that's what will happen. It'll be Rice, one other, and Bellingham. Um, but but I, I see a lot of Yaya Torre in Bellingham, and I'm not expecting you to have Yaya Torre in your team because no one else seems to have them in. But for me, Yaya Torre is in there alongside the... I mean, Keenan's scores are obvious. Yaya Torre, in my mind, should be obvious, but it isn't. Well, I think your three is brilliant, actually, is a complementary three, because I think Scholes would definitely tee up Yaya Torre. There'd be a rotation of positions. I think Torre could sit if Keane did one of those. If it was a young Roy Keane and wanted to bombard forward, he could do that. I think Keane, obviously, great possession, retaining that. And, yeah, that'd be a great midfield access. I think, yeah, there is an argument. We mentioned Bellingham and just suddenly thought, in terms of Premier League all-time 11s, we haven't considered, and I haven't considered, Luka Modric, but predominantly because I think of him as a La Liga player, but actually he did play at Tottenham Hotspur and one of the all-time great central midfielders, but perhaps maybe not in the Premier League. Yes, and then the one thing which is obviously, um, sadly, and I, I don't I don't agree this should be taken into account too much, but sadly, because he didn't win anything, he doesn't stand mm. out as much as, as those that did. If you meant in my midfield three there of Keane Scholes and Yaya Torre, yeah. um, despite what a magician Luka Modric is, it's very difficult to 
to, to justify. Yeah, he'd be in, he'd been in La Liga or a European all time eleven, maybe something. You know, he'd be yeah, close to that. He, well, a Champions League one, but yeah. he's well, he's well worth a shout out. Definitely so. So my midfield three, I have Roy Keane is the one connection we have. And I think Roy Keane, you say box-to-box midfielder, but I remember, you know, when statistics first started becoming more common in football around the turn of the century, a lot of the statistics of passes, most passes made, most passes completed, Roy Keane always seemed to top that. So I think people forget that the range was good as well. He could switch the ball from right to left, but just those short passes to keep things ticking over to and a lot of one-twos to David Beckham down the right-hand side as well, I remember. And for me, Roy Keane was just the, the master passer and someone that could control a game in a way that perhaps we don't appreciate. We think about his tackling and we think about when he was a younger player, those box to box, lung bursting runs. But for me, he just sets the tempo of a team. And alongside him, probably controversial because my team looks very attacking at this stage. I've got David Beckham, who I think just in terms of his tenacity, some of the goals he scored, his energy, his commitment, his love of, of playing in the Premier League before he moved to Real Madrid. And his compliment with Keane, I've got him to the right-hand side of Roy Keane. And then to the left, I have Kevin De Bruyne, who I know traditionally plays further forward, but I think can play this role. And as I said, with De Bruyne maybe breaking forward, Dennis Irwin could tuck into to midfield. And again, on that left-hand side, De Bruyne, I think is right-footed, isn't he? But is just Bruyne, comfortable on his left foot. He's, he's just yeah, good, he's, isn't he, on his left foot? Yeah, yeah he's, he's one of those rare players who are... Um, who are both? We'd actually, I know, off on a tangent here. I was watching Luton the other day, um, and this this is how sad I am. It blows my <laughs> mind that Andros Townsend was taking corners from the right with his left, corners from the left with his right. It's amazing. I mean, that's just that that is I like it, it, it's sad, but that really impresses me. Like, who I like, think could probably do that. There's very few yeah, players. So, so, someone who got a player, he's out on loan at the moment, but injured called Elliot Embleton. He he does that as well. He won't be heard, heard of by too many of our listeners, but um, but he could do that as well. And and I loved him for that same reason. That's amazing skill. Yeah. So Beckham six Premier League titles, Keane seven, De Bruyne five. So yeah, very attacking midfield three. But those are the ones that came to mind. Very difficult to leave Paul Scholes out that you kept in. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, maybe you you underappreciate that, but m- perhaps it would have been Keane or Scholes in terms of understudies as well. Obviously, Scholes for Keane would consider Rodri in there as well. Stephen Gerrard, Frank Lampard, people that perhaps will, some people would definitely have in their their Premier League eleven. Yeah, and I, I think it's another one with. I was I was about to say yeah, when De Bruyne retires, I'll probably have him in. But actually, I'd have to probably change the formation. I'll probably have to go for midfield diamond. Because mm. how, I still don't know what his best I, position. In, yeah, no, no, because I, I, I don't know how I can get him in ahead of the three that I've got. But but he would be he would he would definitely be in my thinking once he is no longer in the Premier League. Definitely, and yeah, I like I like your Beckham one as well. Personally, I haven't got him in mind. If I was, I would have probably had him in a on the right in a four four two as opposed to being in the middle. Um, but I think loads of people have would have gone for Beckham as well. So, yeah, it's still a very good midfield three. Yeah, I think Beckham could sh- shift a little bit right as and Carl Walker could overlap him as well. So there's potential fluidity there. Okay, so have you got three strikers or have you got someone in the hole? How are you looking at this next Yeah, part? I've got... I'm, I'm doing it as as two wide forwards. Um, in, in, in fairness, I've, I've got one who's an out-and-out winger, but he's having to play as a wide forward. Um my obvious, my obvious one, and this is the one I've had to push out wide, is Thierry Henry. I don't think I need to say too much about that. He was just mesmerising. But he Absolutely. also played. He also loved. He was a left winger to start with, wasn't he? And he loved hanging off the left. Yeah, but when you hear who my one of my other three are, he, he probably has to play on the right. That's the thing. Oh, <laughs> this, is the, this is the only. This is the only one who's out of position. Um, but yeah, I loved him. He just every time he got the ball. It looked like something was going to happen, and then it would happen. It yeah. actually, you know, it, it, it's not like it just he, he used to beat his man so easily. He would normally, if you're running at pace, it's very hard to finish to finish well. You've got to like drop back a bit. He could just keep going and still finish it perfectly, top corner. Yeah. He just dominated the Premier League for for a short while, uh, well, for for a long time actually. So Henri is in there. I, I don't think that's particularly. Um, controversial the one that people um well I'll leave I'll leave that one till the end an obvious one who's going to be playing on the left 
Um, I'd imagine you've got him as well. I've got Ryan Giggs. Um, I haven't. I, I haven't got. I haven't got Giggs in my team actually. Controversial. Oh, wow. Which is interesting. You got Giggs in there because again, when I didn't go four four two, I found it. I know Giggs came ended his career as a central midfielder. But when we were young, really young. He was tipped to become a striker, wasn't he, at one point? And he did score, I think, 17, 20 goals in one season, 93, 94, but still stayed out mainly as a flying winger. But it definitely worked in your lineup. Although, to be fair, you could actually, in the modern way, you could play gigs on the right and, and perhaps... Yeah, true. Goals. With Henri on the left, yeah, that's true. Or he, I even could play a midfield diamond with gigs at the top of that diamond, along with the other three midfielders. And then have my front two as a two's Henri and one other who's coming in a minute. But Giggs Premier League title 93, 94, 96, 97, 99, 2000, 1, 3, 7, 8, 9, 2011, and 2013, as well as four FA Cups as well, four League Cups. I mean, countless community shields. I actually can't be bothered to go through all the community shields. Champions, Champions Leagues, yeah. Champions Leagues twice as well in, in 99 and 2008. Um, Giggs is one of the easiest. Giggs is, is someone who I don't see even in if we are if we're lucky enough to still be alive in fifty years' time. I still don't think anybody dislodging Ryan Giggs from my. He's the most, he's most successful footballer, British footballer of all time, isn't he? I think in terms of the, and the longevity is incredible. That he play, he was still playing well actually up until twenty thirteen when he was knocking yeah. on forty. And, and he, he Manchester United when he was player manager. They were better when he actually put himself in. I know it was only about four games or so, but um, you know he he was still good enough to be to, to be an even. And then you think a club as big as Manchester United with a player manager and the player's still good enough to play. Yeah, it's, no, it's no interesting. One... It's interesting you got Henri and Giggs as well because they're probably two of the most majestic dribblers, and I'd say movers. They're people that would move with the ball. And I remember Ferguson saying that about Ryan Giggs, that he'd known quicker players, but he'd never known anyone as quick with the ball and just yeah. float over the ground. And Henri's probably very similar to that. And that would be frightening, actually, to try and face those two in a team, particularly on the counter-attack. Yeah, it, it, De Bruyne is actually quick whilst with the ball as well. So he's deceptively yeah. quick. Um, but yeah, no one will... I, I can't see anyone ever dislodging Ryan Giggs out Ooh. of Premier League eleven. So he's in there. And my uh, final player is another one that... Most people don't have in when you're thinking of Premier League strikers, but I've gone for Sergio Aguero. Yeah, um, fantastic. I, I I loved him. He he was. I'm not a. I I enjoy fantasy football. I'm not obsessed with it like some people, but he was one who, ever since he uh, joined the Premier League, I had him in my fantasy team and never took him out. Mm. It was like always every single season. Um, he evolved was, as well, didn't he? Under under Guardiola, he became a yeah, different type of player. Yeah, he did because he didn't suit the way Guardiola would do it. But uh, 184 goals in 275 games for Manchester City. I know that's all competitions, but that's that is incredible, yes. absolutely like mind blowing. And his his goal scoring record for Atletico Madrid before that, I mean, he was a youngster, but 74 and 175, and a lot of that was substitute appearances. And before that, Independiente 23 and 54. So again, it's more than one in two. Uh, um, it's not sorry, it's not quite one in two, I should say. Um, but that goal scoring record in the Premier League is incredible. And he also won it one, two, three, four, five, uh, five times, won the FA Cup as well, won the League Cup one, two, three, four, five, six times. Didn't realize that. Um, runner up in the Champions League, of course, against um Chelsea in the old, and if you uh, if you think Aguero hadn't scored that goal in 2012 for Man City to win the title, it would have meant United had won 2011, 2012, and 2013. How that yeah. would change the dynamic in terms of the Premier League City not getting that breakthrough and then becoming the dominant team. It, it was hugely significant. Yeah, exactly. So I've, I know it's so easy to say, well, what about him? What about him? What about him? What about him? Yeah, fair enough. Everybody that someone mentions has got a good case. But to me, I've, I go with Agu Aguero. I used to go on Henri and Aguero as a front two in a four-four-two. Yeah, that slightly changes the formation, but they're they're still my two two strikers that I choose. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's a great front three, actually. <laughs> and arguably, I don't know better than mine. But for your Henri and Giggs and Aguero, I've gone in the hole. Eric Cantona, and I think Aguero is probably Man City's Cantona. If you think about the catalyst for the success they had, he's arguably the guy. But Cantona just changed, the, I think, the course of history in the Premier League, getting United to that 92-93 season. I put something up on my Twitter the other day, just a, a link to a video of Cantona's flicks, because I don't think you've seen a player who was just that sort of rounded with vision, that he could just see things in every corner and he, different parts of his body, flick it over here, there, back of the heel, 
the side of the foot, outside of the foot, whatever it might be, just flicking onto players running on. And he's just a class, class player, so composed, 20-odd goals in a season, getting up near to 20 assists as well. And so I've had Cantona pulling the strings, which is why maybe I could, obviously De Bruyne would perhaps be limited in my team a little bit because of Cantona's position. But then outside of him, rotating off the left would be Henri. I think it's just frightening as we've talked about. Giggs would be his understudy in my team, Henri's. And then I've got Erling I put Erling Haaland in there just because he's got 47 in 45 Premier League goals, probably going to score more this weekend against Bournemouth. But just because of the, the goal scoring rate, it got him in ahead of Shearer, Drogba, Cole. There's probably an argument if I was going to include a Chelsea player, maybe I should have Drogba in for Erling Haaland. But I think that would be a, a sensational team. But no left footers. And the one thing about my side is they're all they're all quite big. Obviously, Haaland's six three, six four, Henri's over six foot. Ha- Haaland's left foot. Haaland's left foot. Yeah, oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. You've got that. Ha- Haaland will eventually get into mine. Yeah, no doubt. Um, no Shearer. <clears throat> obviously not. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, no citation needed for that one. Um, you know, I, I loved Michael Owen, um, who yeah. hasn't uh, made it in. Uh, Harry Kane hasn't made yeah. it in. Um, and that's Wayne Rooney hasn't made any of our. No. It's, it's quite incredible. But it's really hard the, to do, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, if you would. It's, when the England manager picks his team for a tournament, the question draws, oh, why isn't he in? Why isn't he in? Well, yeah. I can't pick them all. You know, that's yeah. that's how it is. There and, 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 and not having gigs for me as a, a 10-year-old, 11-year-old boy going up and watching Manchester United. They, and this is why I think maybe a lot of people now base everything on stats, don't they? Whether it's XG or assists or passes, all this kind of stuff. But actually the feeling that certain players give you, when I was a boy, when gigs would get the, the ball at Old Trafford, there's almost had this license just to try and dribble with it and run down the wing. And actually really exciting players and I suppose him and Henri in particular in both our lineups just brought that thrill to it and maybe Beckham would with with free kicks and things like that that kind of intangible emotion that sticks with you about players yeah yeah I think what we should do actually Teddy I'm just thinking about now I'm driving all day but I'm trying to think we should try to get our put our 11s on some sort of a some sort of a graphic put them up on on X and see what people think yeah well text text mine up yeah, text me yours and I'll try and get Carla to do a, a graphic design. Yeah, I wonder if this week. Uh, I wonder if even if we just wrote it in our notes or something and screenshot it, something like something like that information. Um, that might be quite good fun to see what people think of it. Because I've I've actually did uh, I did get a few full elevens, by the way. Um go for them, yeah. Do you want me to go through them? Yeah, uh, this is uh, a haggis, great man. I know him actually. He's gone for Peter Schmeichel, Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Ashley Cole. Roy Keane, Stephen Gerrard, and Paul Gascoigne. We, uh, we didn't see him at his Everton. best Premier League, yeah. did we? Everton and, and Middlesbrough. Um, and he's gone Cristiano Ronaldo, Ryan Giggs and Thierry Henry. He's even given us um, subs bench. Al Quinn, Kevin Phillips, Paul Scholes, David Seaman, Yap Stam, Kevin De Bruyne, Tony Adams. Uh, someone, uh, uh, Ollie Whitefoot. Uh, he uh, said, he's just said Kane and Shearer up top. He's just adamant that they should be in. Uh, <laughs> two, two Luke, top Premier League scorers, yeah. Yeah, Luke uh, Degelbert says Edison, Makalele, Van Dyke, Vieira, Ben Mee. Ben Mee. Wow. Uh, Gerard, Gerard, Ronaldo, Hazard, De Bruyne, Haaland, and Henri. Well, uh, so I thought David Greedo with Ben Mee was it? And, uh, David's into his sustainability and Ben. Yeah, so but, yeah, yeah. probably it was. Yeah. Probably it was. <laughs> I love it. So, the debates. Ashley Cole seems to be a consistent one, doesn't he? So I've got one here from Simon McKee on my LinkedIn page. Actually, Peter Schmeichel in goal, Gary Neville, John Terry, Van Dyke, Ashley Cole back four, back uh, three midfield: Gerard Vieira and De Bruyne, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Henri, and Alan Shearer. Up front, he says very tough to choose. Does Simon? I think that's absolutely true, isn't it? It's uh, it's a challenge. But Ashley Cole, we didn't mention Gary Neville, did we? Potentially at right back, who's probably the most successful right back in terms of trophies. I thought you were going to have him. Actually, I thought yeah. I thought that's who you were going to have. But I do agree with you, Kyle. If if I wasn't Ivanovic, I would have gone for Walker. Um, still over Neville, but Neville is is you know definitely worthy of it. Yeah, uh, one here from Serge Cabanda says uh, three four three. He says his ma- we haven't talked about managers. He says his manager's Pep. Uh, centre back, so three centre backs: Rio, so Ferdinand, John Terry, and Nemanja Vidic. Although he says Virgil is a better baller, I think Vidic is tactically stronger defensively. I think he was, but as a United fan, not against Fernando Torres, that was the one that would would always yeah. destroy Nemanja Vidic. Uh, left midfield. This is a player probably could have mentioned. I mentioned Drogba for Chelsea. We're very close, but Eden Hazard. 
Patrick Vieira, Angolo Kante, uh, Mo Salah, and uh, then Kevin De Bruyne as an attacking mid with Harry Kane and Thierry Henry. Titi, he says, up front. Yeah, that Eden Hazard at his best could have made our team. Yeah. Be the front left. He's, he was sensational in terms of dribble. We could do a five best dribblers at some point because he'd be in, yeah. the, in the in the mix. Definitely, I think there's some some fantastic suggestions there. I really enjoyed that one this week. Actually, doing the uh, doing our Premier League eleven. Right now, the quick. Yeah, well, I loved it. It was interesting, as I say, to give it give it some thought. And it's yeah, and it's difficult how your emotions blend with things and how you you'll think of different players at a different time. And perhaps your eleven might change. Although it sounds like yours doesn't change that often, but it'd be good to to reconsider it at times. And it's like I say, yeah. I think maybe maybe you're more objective as a Sunderland fan. <laughs> no offense, but it's. It's hard to know whether I'm doing it out of nostalgia for my team or whether I'm doing it out of, you know, believing they're the best player. Yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. Because you mentioned a lack of a lack of Chelsea. I mean, I had Ivanovic and Cole, and we've given special mention to Drogba, Terry, Eden Hazard, uh, Kante, uh, someone had Makalele there. We, we, you know, we've given them special mention. But if, if you were a Chelsea fan, you'd probably have a lot more of them. Yeah, might, they might have had a check. Might have had a check. Had a check had yeah. A check. Checking goal, potentially. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, some brilliant ones there. So, the quiz question, question. I've been thinking about this. So, it's not Luton, but I'm guessing it's teams that have come up relatively recently and not been relegated. So, I'm going to give you Brighton and Hove Albion. That is one. So, well done. So, you've now got... So, you've you've already had... So, the eight clubs have never been relegated from the Premier League. You already got Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton, Liverpool, Manchester United and Tottenham. You have now got Brighton who came up in the 2017-18 season, or that was their first season in the Premier League, and have never been relegated. You've got one more. Yeah, and my first thought, like a dummy, because I actually cheated, I looked at the Premier League table, and I thought, Forest, and I thought, no, (laughs) Forest were in the Premier League and got relegated a couple of times, got relegated in 99, so that's how your memory plays tricks with you, because they came up, obviously, a season ago. But then I was looking at it, and Brentford, I'm guessing, are the, the other one. You are correct. Well done. They were so Brighton and Brentford makes you think because the first six everyone can get them. Yeah, but um, Brighton and Brentford, you, you've got to think. But of course, if, if Luton stay up, well, Luton definitely never in the Premier League. They weren't, were they? Uh, no, they Luton got relegated in '92. Ah, uh, okay, so just before. Yeah, right. So Luton, if they stay up, they will be added to that list. And did you did you come up with this or did you see this somewhere else? No, I came up with it. I was nice. working it out. Yeah, it's really. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I thought because we're doing Premier League eleven, it has to be specific to the Premier League. This question, I thought, right, well, let's go for relegation. And y- young viewers will be surprised, perhaps, here that Manchester City were relegated and actually played down in yes. League One in in the Premier yeah. League. They played in the third tier. Yeah, yeah and um, yeah, amazing, brilliant chat, Tom. We will speak next week. We'll have an idea of the, the topics. And then we've got Carlton Palmer coming up in a couple of weeks, which should be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, looking forward to, to getting him on. He's, he's got some great stories. Well, because... enjoy. have a great weekend and in, enjoy O'Shea, Bardsley and Brown while, while I'm playing, playing the trade at Sky Sports News tonight, Friday well, night. Well, I'm, deep I'm, into driving, the... I'm driving to Sunderland right now, doing that event tonight, then at five in the morning driving to Swansea to watch Swansea v Sunderland. Cool. Um, and then driving back Sunday morning from Swansea back to Berkshire. So I'm racking up the miles. What a weekend. Go safe, my man. Take care. 